welcome to the Film Obsessed Couple. I'm Shelly. And I'm Scott. And we're here today to talk about Celebrity Spotlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always, I always draw a blank when I do that. I'm like, we're here to talk about, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. <laughs> what is it? What are we doing? We've here? only done two at this point, so I, I understand. Yeah, this is our third Celebrity Spotlight. Yeah, we're, we're going to do that in... Some announcements that we could go over is uh, we just got back from New York. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a while since we've recorded, and it's been, what, almost a little over two weeks now that we got back? Yes. Yesterday was two weeks. Yes, and we haven't recorded because we came back with COVID. Yeah, both of us. It was something. Yeah, I on we flew back Friday. And that day, I start. We both actually started to feel like kind of tickles in our throats. Mm-hmm. And you were like, "Oh, I think it's just allergies." Allergies, and, allergies. Yeah, cause not uncommon. And I was like, "Oh my god, oh god, I don't hold, I don't hold it together very well." <laughs> so we flew back. Thank God we got home. We were like, "If we have COVID, please God, don't let us get stuck in New York mm-hmm. for however long. They won't let us fly." Yeah. Mm-mm. So we did end up getting home. My parents uh, picked us up from the airport. But they the other day, bef- the day before that, they were like, you know how we were going to pick you up and take us back to our house, take you back to our house, and your car was there where you left it? How about your dad <laughs> drives your car, I drive mine, we leave your vehicle, and then we don't even, like, touch or get close? <laughs> they were like, we love you, but, you know, we don't want to even get close to having COVID. And they were smart. They were very smart. They were smart to do that, and I totally got it. I didn't take offense. I'm like, yeah, that's... That that's what we need to do. Yeah, we did not tell them that I that we were both at the time thinking that we had allergies. Yeah, but we did wear our masks and we didn't come close to them. Like Mm-mm. I thought my dad was gonna go in for a hug, but thankfully he just kind of passed by. My mom stayed in their their van. And yeah, she was totally. Which unfortunately she has COVID now. Yeah, which I'm like <sighs> I don't think we we couldn't have gave. No, they, there's, there's and, no way. You know they they go out and do their own thing too, so I'm sure that's somehow they got it. Yeah, so if we still sound a little, I don't know, what is it? Stopped up. or Yeah, our voice is a little deeper. <laughs> yes. That, that would be why. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, just everybody go out and get vaccinated because I really think that's what helped us. Mm-hmm. We, we had mild flu cold symptoms. Like, again, I fall apart, so I did not take it very well just because I don't like being sick. But I just had like a little mild fever a couple of days and my th- throat was so sore, I'm sure, just because of the drainage. Yeah, I had a fever. The worst part is I did lose my sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. I did not, thankfully. For a whole week. <laughs> so stupid. It was awful. It was awful. Yeah, I thought you were recovering and then you're like, I lost my sense of smell and taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like I was I was doing better. My fever was gone. Yeah. Um, I was still as stopped up as I was before. But then, you know, those nerves in your sinuses, they just decided to cut themselves off and be like, you're not going to be able to taste shit. Yeah. I can't believe that. Like, I was talking to my friend who had had it before, he and his family. And he was like, yeah, mild symptoms. He's like, I never even mm. lost my sense of smell and taste. Mm. And But he said his wife... Food tasted like gasoline to her for a couple of days. Yeah, it probably because of all the drainage. Yeah, like seriously, that makes my taste a little off. Mm-hmm. But not to keep talking about COVID. That was the major. Yeah, we went to New York, but the major thing is we got COVID. I don't regret it. I know <laughs> you've talked like you've kind of regretted going, but I don't. Um, I I enjoyed it. I just wish we like 
we were just so overwhelmed by everything that we were not as safe as we probably should have been. Yeah, the doctor asked me, he's like, well, do you have any idea of maybe where you got it? And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> there was so many people around us at all times. Yeah, like the subway, people mm-hmm. touching everything. Buses are just overcrowded. Yeah. It was insane. But I really had a good time. We saw a bunch of beautiful things and huge buildings that we don't see in the Springfield, Missouri area. <laughs> yeah, we got to experience it. And two, you know, not to go on about COVID, but two things come to mind when he asked me that. One, we were in Astoria, Queens, walking to the Museum of the Moving Image. Mm-hmm. And they have pop-up tents everywhere in New York to get tested, just yeah, everywhere. Which is great. Yeah, and as we walked by one, there was a lady in there getting tested. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, could we have got it just by walking by for a couple of seconds? You know, we... yeah, I don't know. I mean, unless she coughed at that time and then we inhaled or, you know, I guess it's possible. But if we went the same route and mm-hmm. touched some of the same things she did, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, because all the other tins I saw, there was nobody in there. Yeah. Not that I could see, but... And then the second one is that we went to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. and the Strokes played, and I made the very, very poor choice of the Strokes left, and I'm like, well, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom when the Chili Peppers play, because I want to yeah. stay here. We went to the bathroom after the Strokes is set, which, unfortunately, is the worst thing you can do, because everybody else did that. And they were, like, hurting people, like cattle, which I understand, but the way that they were doing it got us all grouped together. Yeah, they only had one area open for like the bathrooms and the the concessions. Mm-hmm. So we were seriously, it was almost like we were getting trampled. Yeah, you know, like a stadium has two different sides. Yeah. And it's open. They just had one of the sides open. Mm-hmm. And this, it was packed. Yes. Like it was, I mean, this is Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hello. Yeah. And they just had one side. I was just blown away by that yeah I, I likened it to when i was back in high school like in between classes when classes would let out there would be so many kids in the hallway and like in the main area like for some reason kids would just want to hang out and talk and it would just get so congested to where you would just have to just push your way through mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened it just so i'm like if we got COVID, i bet it was at the concert i i don't <laughs> doubt it because those tickets were not cheap. Yeah. And if I had a little sniffle or something, mm-hmm. I'd be like, screw it, I'm going. Yeah, now, I, I would have worn a mask. Yeah. And there were some people with masks on. So not, there was like a handful of people. Yeah. <laughs> not every, like most of them were not. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was an open stadium. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we were so close together. There's no way to avoid it if someone no. had it. No. I was waiting to be like an entire stadium got COVID. No, oh, Jesus. Your notes or something. It'd be or, uh, awful news <laughs> oh but it was it was fun and i'm glad we didn't not go because of a pandemic you got to keep living your life and just be as safe as possible which you know we were vaccinated mm-hmm. we are vaccinated and yeah that's that's the best thing we could do because if these were mild symptoms i don't want the full-blown symptoms yeah no i really did not have a good time with it no, <laughs> I'm thankful. And, you know, I've been sicker than this before. I caught some virus many, many years ago where I was just deathly ill. I felt like. Yeah, the flu is much worse than this, I think. Yeah. So this was not bad. So that's why I'm kind of like, well, if we weigh it versus what we saw and what we got to experience, seeing the concert, walking the streets and mm-hmm. stuff like that, like, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I'm already planning our next trip. So and we're going to Vegas. 
And yeah. that, that's a pretty popular place. <laughs> yeah, well, may, who knows where we'll be with people not getting vaccinated or still thinking this is a hoax. I'm sure we'll oh, still be in the exact same place. Probably. But hopefully we'll be better prepared. So that was our adventures. And if you like, mm-hmm. we can always put pictures up of our uh, trip. Yeah, just let us know. Yeah, I don't think we did any of that. I think I did post some of the Museum of, of, move, of the Moving Images. Yeah. Um, just because, you know. Movies. Movies. That's what kind of what we do. Yeah, exactly. But it, like just us and stuff we haven't posted the only picture we posted of us was of our childhood oh right yeah for childhood favorites yeah for last month when we did childhood favorites so so if people age that up like they're in the fbi you know they can get a good idea what we look like yeah they're like this is what we think he looks like 40 years from now or or... just take off like 50 pounds (laughs) (laughs) be like have you seen this man it's just a bad drawing If you're still with us, we're here to talk about Estelle Getty. Yes. Um, which you probably know her best playing Sophia on the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've been calling her Sophia. Yes, I have. <laughs> because I forget her name is Estelle. Yeah. Because, and you know, you know how I am. I think people would probably know her more as Estelle, in, or as, as um, Sophia instead of Estelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Estelle is going to be a little different from the other two that we've covered so far. Her acting career would not take off until she was in her late 50s. So like her, this is maybe a little short. (laughs) Good pun. I love it. (laughs) Maybe. I had a lot of of fun researching her. Yeah. She was, well, Lucille Ball was fun because, I don't know, it was just interesting B. Arthur was a pain in the ass because she's so private. Yeah. And I really had to dig to get what I got. And then Estelle Getty was just kind of like, it was there for the reading. Yeah. So it was fun. The only thing is she does have a book out, which I'll mention a little later. I really wish I would have read it, but it was $20. And currently we do not make any money off this podcast. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot to me. Um, So I did not. Yeah read and i'm sure there's a ton of information that can just be found free like you did oh yeah 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 this is still gonna be good just yeah yeah, it's still gonna be awesome but she didn't you know take off until her late 50s she never gave up on her dreams being an actress throughout life she kept with it and got her big break eventually she sounds like alan rickman the um the guy who played snape and harry potter he didn't get uh i think he was in theater and stuff but his first major role was when he was in his 40s yeah die hard yeah, it's crazy. And he probably worked, like, hard at it. Yeah. Just like Estelle. I mean, it wasn't like it just grabbed her in her 50s. Like mm-hmm. She was still trying and auditioning and doing things. She just took off at that right time. Mm-hmm. So a quote from Estelle is, success is sweet at any age. And I think that's perfect for her. That's a good quote. Yeah. So Estelle was born Estelle Cher. I'm guessing it's Cher. It's S-C-H-E-R. On July 25th, 1923, in New York City. Hey. Yeah, no. It ties in together. We were just there. Her parents, Charles and Sarah, were Polish Jewish immigrants that had their own glass shop in the Lower East Side of New York. Now, when I think of glass shop, I think of like hand blown glass, Mm -hmm. but that's not the kind of glass shop they had. Probably a lot better. It was like Um, selling windows or something to people, maybe? Yeah, they installed windows in automobiles and trucks. Oh, okay. Which is probably a pretty good business. Yeah, not to detract and go back to our trip again, but while we were there, I was just thinking, like, man, can you imagine being born and growing up here, mm. like, in New York as a kid? Like, 
you don't know anything else, I guess, but it's just like, man, I felt so overwhelmed by New York because Springfield, it's all pretty open. You yeah. know, it's not like a lot of people together, even if you're in the city. But like here, I was just like, when we went to New York, I was just like, it's it's too much. <laughs> it was. I'm just a country bumpkin. Sensory overload. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I think we probably should have started out slower. Went to like Chicago or something. Nah, I'm, I, it's fine. I was just like, wow. When I say overloaded, I was just like, wow, I've never seen anything like mm-hmm. this before. Mm-hmm. So her mom, Sarah, was a homemaker. Mm-hmm. So stay at home mom. Yeah. Their glass shop served two purposes. One being the business and in the back of the shop is where their apartment was. Oh. They had a big kitchen in the back of the store. And then upstairs is where the bedrooms and probably like a living room and family room was. Makes me think of Bob's Burgers. Their restaurant's yeah. downstairs. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just so... I don't know. And this was kind of the time where, you know, the depression started and stuff like that. So yeah. I, that was just probably, you know, what am I trying to think? Financially savvy or something. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, you know, there is a museum you can go to in New York that we did not have time for, but you can see old apartments of the time. That's mm-hmm. one that we floated, but we just didn't have time. And, you know, if we ever go back, that'd be interesting to see kind of how they were. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And we were there. For a solid four days. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not counting, well, no, three days, I guess. Because mon- yeah. Monday and Friday was Travel. basically flying. So a solid three days, and it was not enough. No. <laughs> like, And we did things like all day. Yeah, you basically, we, we didn't really eat at restaurants you know we kind of ate quickly mm-hmm. wherever we could we did eat at one restaurant very that was very nice yeah but it's just too much and traveling that's one thing i guess i didn't care for is like oh we want to go to queens well you gotta ride a it's only like two miles away well you gotta take a train uptown that'll mm-hmm. take 45 minutes yeah so yes and that's i said it to you i think when we were there we're like you know if we wanted to experience like food like go out to nice restaurants as oh, well yeah. probably have to be here another week exactly <laughs> Yeah, it was just, there was just so much. This but. was the sightseeing trip. <laughs> yeah. Estelle had two siblings, a sister, Rosalind, who went by Roz, a brother, Samuel, who went by David. Her little sister, Roz, would have trouble saying Estelle's name. It would come out as Eddie. <laughs> um, and that stuck as her nickname throughout her whole life. Oh, geez. But she, I mean, she loved it. Oh, I bet, yeah. So. You can thank Estelle's dad for her love of theater. He would take the family to vaudeville shows every Friday night, and this is what struck a match in her interest in acting at the age of four years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I wonder if vaudeville shows knew how much of an influence they had over young children at the time. Yeah, I I know. It's That's always, you know, you don't know when something new comes along like that. Like, you know, movies, people want to do that. It's just crazy. Yeah, because with Lucille Ball... um, she was also very fond of them as a child, which, mm-hmm. you know, was kind of the same time period. Yeah, it's just something you don't under, you don't know. Like when YouTube came out, you don't know that you're going to give rise to people that stream or mm-hmm. people that make videos and react. Yeah. True. You just don't know what's going to come next from something big. You don't. I think Estelle's dad got a lot out of this show, too, because in an interview, Estelle would say that her dad was the most wittiest, funniest man If he would have known he was an actor, he would have been one. After Estelle graduated from Seward Park High School, she continued to live with her parents while taking acting, singing, and dancing classes. To earn a little money, she worked as a bus girl in the children's dining area at the Catskill Hotel in upstate New York. 
Now, the Catskill Hotel was pretty popular at the time and had a stage for stand-up comedy. Oh. Estelle was thinking, man, I'm great at one-liners, and everybody tells me I should try stand-up comedy. So she did. How do you think it went? Pretty bad. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She said (laughs) when one of the kids threw applesauce at her, she decided that was the time to stop her stand-up comedy act. (laughs) Oh, really? I've had people do that to do, you know, they were like, you know, you're so funny. You should try and do stand-up, but that's stopped me where I'm like, being funny in a situation doesn't mean that I could be funny going up there. No. Yeah, it's it's totally different when you're like talking back and forth and you can kind of do the one-liners mm-hmm. and be really funny, but to actually put together a whole act. Yeah. Well, I did try to do it one time. Not I didn't get up there, but there's a guy I know who who did improv and stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, I was thinking of maybe doing some uh, stand-up. And he was like, yeah, get some, get like five minutes together. Oh, wow. And I don't know, that was the hard part. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Some people can get up there and just boom. I mean, they're like naturals. Yeah. It seems like. Maybe they're not, but it's awesome. But I'm surprised they even let her take the stage at the time because sexism was pretty high, mm. um, and which is why it was rare to see a female comic. But... Good for her for trying, and fuck sexism. (laughs) Fuck it. (laughs) Yes. Even though her parents were supportive of her pursuing an acting career, they didn't think she would make a successful career out of it, so they wanted her to get a, quote, real job. Mm -hmm. Estelle said in an interview that she remembered her dad saying, you're so beautiful, you think you can be an actress? He's being sarcastic. I see. That was his witty humor, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically just saying, you're not pretty, just give up on your dreams. You know, that's just what great dads say. He's probably like, yo, Estelle, you, you, right now, you're not pretty enough. But when you turn into a grandma, you're going to hit the <laughs> like a niche audience that's going to think you're amazing. So wait 44 more years or whatever. And I, you know, I've seen pictures of her. She's not ugly. No, um, I'm sure you'll talk about it, but. The youngest I've seen her as was in Stop or My Mom Will Shoot mm-hmm. with Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. And she just looks like a mom. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, for some reason, Estelle didn't feel beautiful. You know, weird. She was on the short side standing at four foot 11 inches. So she knew she had to be funny to win people over. Yeah. And comedy can be a great deflector, as we have seen as we both know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Personally, and, you know, so many comedians suffer from depression. Mm. You know, Robin Williams comes to mind. Yeah. Um, Mitch Hedberg. There's just so many that you just don't know because their life is just being funny. Mm-hmm. And, and they, I think they have a hard time grasping the seriousness of, of life. I'm looking a picture up of her young, and I can't really find a good one, but if this is her, it doesn't really look like her. Yeah, I just want to say I apologize if you do to get some sniffles in here. Oh. I just realized I sniffed when you were talking, so I don't know if you can edit that out. I don't know. No, we, like we said, we're getting over COVID, so give us yeah, a break. My nose is still running like a sieve. So to appease her father, she did get a secretary job, but her, in her free time, she spent attending auditions and doing what she could to keep her foot in the door. What I thought was kind of neat, and I, I really wish I would have read this before I was promoted, but if a promotion was offer to her at her secretary job or a raise that would put her in a different category, causing her to work more hours, she would duck out and go to a different job. Oh, shit. She didn't want the money to seduce her out of pursuing her acting career. All right. 
And let me tell you, money's a big factor. Yeah. When you get paid a decent wage and then you realize this is not the job for you, it really sucks. Yeah. Because then you take a hit and, you know, it's cool because it all worked out. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So she considered her secretary job a hobby and her acting as her vocation. So whether, you know, she didn't care. This yeah. is this is what she wanted to do. Is she going to do it? Very admirable. Around March 1947, Estelle would be at a party thrown by her friends from the New York City circuit. She was introduced to this man named Arthur Gettleman, and they fell in love. Aww. So Gettleman, I'm assuming, did they... Well, they're already in America. I just know that they used to change their names. They would, like, come to America, you mm-hmm. know, from country. They'd be like, uh, th- when I was in middle school, I played trombone in a band. And there was a guy that gave me lessons at Springfield Music. His name was Andy Wang. But he was, like, the whitest man you've ever met. Oh, wow. And my mom asked one of the other guys. He was like, Wang, like, where where does that come from? She's like, he doesn't seem you know, like a name. And uh, he, apparently, when his relatives are what came to America from whatever country they were from, they were like, uh, our name's uh, Wang Ganowski or something like yeah. that. And they were like, yeah, I'm not going to put that on here. Yeah, Wang. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think at the time it was much easier just to change your name and be like, this is what I'm called now. Yeah, so I'm sure, she, and now that I'm talking about it out loud, I'm sure she just changed it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the same night they met, Arthur would jokingly ask her to marry him. And she snapped back with, I'll call my beautician and I'll be right out. So she was all like, hey, hey. Nine months later, they would marry for reals. Oh. So sweet. Every time you talk, you say that she says something, I just imagine it in her Golden Girls voice. Yes, me too. <laughs> I'll call my beautician and I'll be out. Exactly. And then an audience laughs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we should put in laughing whenever I talk. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, you can edit it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so after they got married, Arthur went into the, the glass business with Estelle's dad and would eventually own his own shop. They lived in the Bronx, New York. Estelle and Arthur from the block. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Don't be. We talk about Jenny from the block. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, don't be fooled by the rocks that she's got. <laughs> yeah. Because she doesn't have any. She's still Estelle Gettleman from the block. <laughs> <laughs> they would have two sons. Barry and Coral, which his name is Carl. Oh, you if just you, say Coral. If you're a Walking Dead <laughs> fan, you can never say Carl again. Yeah. It's he, Coral. Coral. <laughs> and if you don't know The Walking Dead, you should watch it, but you can't watch it on AMC because they're assholes. AMC Plus. Yeah. yeah. We, You cannot go back after the show has aired and watch it again for the newer seasons. They yeah. make you pay. I recommended when Better Call Saul was going, a buddy of mine has not seen the newest season and i recommended i was like the second half of the new season's getting ready to start just get amc plus and run through it and watch mm-hmm. them as they come out and he was like you son of a bitch they're making me pay for all these episodes i'm like yeah what are you talking about but i went back being a subscriber and yeah it's like 2.99 an episode mm-hmm. and i'm like this is shitty and i deleted amc plus the night that um better call Saul ended yeah or well, mean, when we watched it the next day never again unless we're gonna watch it at the time that it airs but I'm behind on The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and now I'm going to stay behind because I'm not going to pay. No. I'm not going to pay to watch reruns. It's like, I get it. It's not very much, but it's like 10 bucks a month, and then they're wanting you to pay for newer episodes. Yeah, no thanks. No, it's bullshit. It is. Screw you, AMC+. Plus. Yeah. 
change your policies. Unless you want to sponsor us, then, then, then AMC we love Plus. You. <laughs> you know what you're paying for? You're paying for a better streaming quality every time you buy a new episode. <laughs> See, I can shield for we you guys. spin it. <laughs> After their kids were born, I think they were thinking about getting into a better school district or something. Mm-hmm. So they moved to Queens at a place called Bell Park Gardens. It was a cooperative that was built for Jewish war veterans, primarily for the World War II, and was uniquely a liberal community. Okay, and nothing bad about all that? No, no. Uh, One of her sons remembers having a sign in their window that says, peace is the only solution. Oh, Jesus. They're hippies. Yeah. (laughs) I tell you, I just, I think, I love Estelle. Yeah. Like, I think she's just a very loving, caring person. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that as we go on through this i just can't i want to be her yeah well i just imagine a golden girls episode now where she's like ma what are you doing putting that sign up in the window and she's like <laughs> well a bunch of these kids came over they had the long hair and they wanted me to say, put a sign that says give peace a chance up there it's like ma those are hippies <laughs> you sound like mark Wahlberg. <laughs> which one <laughs> the... doing b uh or estelle <laughs> estelle oh yo <laughs> a bunch of kids with long hair came over and they wanted me to put the sign in the window. <laughs> okay, a little different. Yeah. It's more like a kiddish voice whenever you do him. Well, yeah, he's, he's kind of an idiot, but <laughs> they asked me to hang on to some uh, bags of stuff for them. It was like, must have been seeds. It looks like grass. <laughs> Ma, that's drugs. It smells like a skunk. They asked you to hold on to drugs for them, Ma. Speaking of skunks, in New York weed is legal oh yeah and let me tell you you smell it everywhere yeah it's crazy and we even like i think the first day we were there there was a dude sitting across from us on the subway rolling a joint yes professionally the only thing i didn't like about that it was that there was little kids yeah around and i just they didn't speak english so i'm guessing they were traveling i don't know there new york has so many different people in it that you know, I don't want to assume anything, but that yeah. was, that's my guess. Did a lot of traveling, yeah. And I just like, have they ever seen this before? <laughs> See, I thought when he was doing it that it may just be natural because, you know, or normal because it's all legal and shit there. But there was a lady next to us that she may not have been from New York. She was by mm-hmm. herself, so I assume she's maybe from the area. And she took a photo of the guy, too. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, what the fuck? Can you believe this? But, yeah, he had like a little plate out. Uh, he was like professionally rolling this joint. Mm-hmm. He he had like the paper and he ground it up and like a little grounder. Right. Yeah. It was just, it, I wanted to watch the whole thing, but then I didn't want to stare. Yeah. I did take a couple of photos of it. Yes. Slyly. <laughs> but I was, uh, I was thinking, I'm like, well, I guess this is normal, you know? And I was afraid that he was going to light that up. Oh, me too. I'm but, like, oh, we're going to have to move if that happens. Yeah. I don't. I don't I don't, I'm not against drugs. If you want to do that, that's fine. Um, I just have never been exposed to it. Yeah. Really. I mean, I was drunk one time and that's really all I got to say to that. One time. Well, true. I went through a period. Well, I'm just kidding. I mean, we, <laughs> I was like, was the, the, the time that we got drunk together when we first met? Like oh, the only geez. time you've been drunk? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, we were, I was drunk the, our um, bachelor bachelorette party. Oh, me too. Yeah. God. I made the terrible decision not to eat food that day. Oh, that was awful. The next day was so miserable. It was bad. I remember we had to do our wedding rehearsal, (laughs) 
and my parents, God bless them, they won't listen to this, but I was so hungover that day, <laughs> and they were all like, oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Me. Don't schedule the rehearsal the next day, people, if you're going to. I, I we went to you're gonna get married. Yeah, we went to Japanese, like the place where they cook in front of you, then then kind of the afternoon morning, and they were like, "Oh, this will help us get back on track," you know, getting some greasy food or whatever. Yeah, and I like was just like, "Oh my god!" And then when we were done, I remember coming home and sleeping, like going to bed. Mm-hmm. You went and got groceries for stuff that we needed, and that never <laughs> happens. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to bed." <laughs> it was the worst. It was okay. I'm sure. Now we're we're talking with their they're in Bell Park Gardens, which I think is a little bit safer than the Bronx, because mm-hmm. in the early fifties poverty was still being reported, which usually houses gang violence and drugs among other things. Yeah, so that's my guess. It didn't say that anywhere that that's the reason why, but I can only assume. And I've heard, I think I told you this too, but I've heard that New York was pretty dangerous in the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. maybe even the sixties. Yeah, I don't know. There's pictures of New York in that time. And then, you know, in from movies that I've seen at the time, like Taxi Driver, there's porno booths everywhere, like mm. porno theaters. And then The Warriors, that looks like we we were going to go to Coney Island. But God, Coney Island may as well have been in the moon from where we I were. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they're from Coney Island. But just going through New York at the time just seemed like kind of a very scary place. Oh, yeah, I can... I don't know. I can only imagine. I did read a little bit about the history of the Bronx, um, and there was a governor, or senator, or some politician guy that started some housing development, mm-hmm. and and then they started uh, what's it called? Just where they can't raise rent for any reason. Oh, rent controlled. Yeah, and then at that time then the um, owners couldn't afford to update anything. And then that's kind of when everything went to shit. Yeah. So eh, it's kind of sad. I mean, it was like, oh, their intentions were good, but eh, didn't just like the stimulus checks, which I'm not complaining about. Yeah. Um, But it didn't really solve anything. <laughs> yeah. The big thing I know about is just Rudy Giuliani when he got, when he was elected mayor, you know, he, you know, he, he, was a huge fan and lawyer of Trump at this time, but um, then he like supposedly cleaned it up, like kind of cleaned up New York of all the mm-hmm. pornography, and I don't know how successful that was. I didn't really pay attention to it at the time, but I just remember everyone being like, "Oh yeah, he went in there and cleaned it up." Yeah, I think it's been through some some changes for sure. Um, Estelle would continue to work various real jobs. Quote: She woke up early to get the kids ready for school. She'd go to work. At lunch, she would do uh, open auditions, and then after work, she would come home, cook dinner, change clothes, and then head out for auditioning or acting in a small role in a theater. Damn. That is a day. Yes. Like, fuck. And according to um, her kids, she did that often. Like, But she was still a mom, and still she was at home, because somebody's just like, oh, well, do you have to, any family time? But yeah, she still made time for that. That's crazy, too, that she would actually have a job at that point. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that women at the time would have a job. Yeah, it's weird because, you know, like B did, and I don't remember if Lucille Ball did. I don't know if I went through that. But, yeah, I, it's kind of weird because it wasn't common at that time, especially if you had kids. You were a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. So I think these are just exceptional women. I guess so. Well, you think if her father's business was successful, they would be okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm being sexist just thinking that women didn't work, you know, at the time. But, but my no, grandma I, didn't. I think that's 
I think the majority of women didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, it's cool that she did. Um, she did have a close group of friends that she would go see all the latest movies and plays with. Their family would also get together and eat at a local diner where they had their favorite booth that they would always sit in. Estelle was the life of the party, <laughs> joking around and telling great stories. Did it say what restaurant it was? I think it did. I just didn't put it in here. Fair enough. With as much time as she put into the theater, working hard, but getting nowhere, she was rightfully frustrated. Who wouldn't be frustrated? Right. You're like working your ass off and it's like, not happening. So she decided to change her mindset. I mean, I don't even think she went to therapy and she's just doing it. She knows that so few people do make it in this show business. She just wanted to be there, even if it meant being in a small play for the rest of her life. Yeah. It was what she loved doing. I kind of see that as our podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't get into like a play or anything. Like, Well, I mean, she was in small, small plays, ones. like nothing mentionable, like nothing that did anything big. Yeah. But I see what you mean, just doing it because you enjoy doing it. Mm -hmm. It's fun to talk and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to do what you love. And this podcast is tough work, but I like it. And yeah. if we don't ever make any money, that's okay. We'll just, as long as we get a couple downloads, you know, there's somebody listening. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll keep entertaining you a couple of people out there. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1982, Estelle and her friends would go watch this play called Torch Song Trilogy. This is where she met Harvey Firestein. Oh, nice. Yeah, you may, you know, some people may know who he is. Can you do his voice? Oh, God. <laughs> Put you on uh, the spot. Let's see here. We'll do him an Independence Day where he's like, David, David. <laughs> he's talking to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> or he goes, uh. I gotta call my mother. I gotta call my lawyer. Eh, fuck my lawyer. I just love his voice. It was so funny. But it still jokingly said, hey, Mr. Big Shot playwright, why don't you write the role of your mother and I'll play it? Harvey was like, well, I do have to write a third act anyway, so why not? This is when Miss Beckoff, inspired by Estelle and his own mother, was created. Estelle was 59 years old at this time. And was not only the mother on stage, but became a surrogate mother off stage. To Harvey? To everybody. Oh, I see. Everybody in the Torch Song trilogy. Oh. Because she, of course, got the job of Miss Beckoff. So she was uh, Harvey Weinstein's mother in the play. Mm. Um, Harvey said in an interview that Estelle was the only one in the cast with a job that could afford dinner. <laughs> <laughs> she was the only one with a car and a house making her the grown-up and who everyone listened to. And if you don't know Tort Song Trilogy, it was a play about a bisexual drag queen named Arnold, who was played by Harvey Firestein. He meets a man. They fall in love and adopt a son. They live through a lot of hate, and Arnold's spouse was a victim of a hate crime, which resulted in his death. Oh, my God. Yeah. This leaves Arnold to raise their child on his own, which is when Miss Beckoff comes in. She was a strict, traditional Jewish mother who didn't agree with Arnold's lifestyle, but eventually comes around. And this was like things that were not even fathomed in the 80s when yeah. this came out, which is what made it so popular. It was oh, edgy, right. but real. Yeah. I think Harvey Firestein is a gay man in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, he is. And I mean, I think that's just wonderful yes i mean i think this is just a wonderful thing and also when i was listening to some things they said you know uh gay men would bring their parents to this play mm -hmm. they would watch it 
you know, and see how Miss Beckoff was all like, and then came around and then they would come out to their parents. Oh, you know, it was, it, it was a segue for them to become themselves. Yeah. So I thought that was just amazing. That, you know, when we did, we did do one of those big tour buses in New York. And one thing I noticed, they would like be like, oh, on your right is this building or is this neighborhood? And there was a lot of them that were like, this was a neighborhood for, for gay people in the 80s and whatever. Mm-hmm. There were a few of them like that where like it was a big hub for gay people to act and perform and to do stuff. And I was like, well, that, that's really cool. Yeah. The one thing about New York, and I guess maybe it's always kind of been this way, maybe not as open, but you could be anything you fucking want. Yeah. You could do anything you want as long as you're not hurting anybody. They don't care, it seems like. No. You can stand on a bus and sing as loud as you want to the headphones that you've got on. Like <laughs> He had a good ha- voice. What happened to us? The first, the very first bus, well. No, the, it was the first. Well, technically the second. Yeah. The first bus that took us into the city. Mm-hmm. There was some dude just standing on there with like headphones around and he was just singing his heart out. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Well, you're, I know, but. I'm. I think I'm a New Yorker at heart because mm-hmm. I'm just. I don't watch those people. I'm just like, oh god, this is so embarrassing. Especially that time we were on the subway and that dude was doing like tricks. Oh, I love that too. He was like jumping around on the poles yeah. and stuff like that, and then he went around with a hat to collect money. And I'm just like, I'm not making eye contact with you, dude. I would have given money if if he would have done more. Yeah, he was like two seconds. He did like a flip or whatever. Yeah, and, and I'm like, like money, money, money. What? No, I want to see more. Which I heard going to New York that it is illegal and there's even a sign on there to go in between the cars while the train yeah. is moving. But those people do it all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, there was only a couple people that did it and they all seemed a little strange, the yeah. people. There was one I'm pretty sure she was a prostitute. Oh, really? That, like, she looked drunk. Yo, I just thought she had problems, but I didn't know a prostitute. Yes, maybe. But yeah, she just like moved and I'm like... I didn't think you could move between cars. <laughs> I was stereotyping because of the way she was dressed. Yeah. It's possible that she wasn't, and I'm just being an asshole. And I felt bad for the people in New York. We saw several homeless people, and yeah, there was one guy sleeping in the subway, ton- like the entrance to the subway. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, how dirty that must be. And sometimes you'd walk by and smell urine. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, oh. My heart just broke a little. Uh, it's so sad to see. I just hate that. I think it was the first day we were actually there, like that Tuesday. We were walking down the street, and you pulled me out of the way because there was a dude standing in the middle of the sidewalk mm-hmm. who was just on something. Mm-hmm. He was not where we were. and <laughs> We were walking, and you kind of like pulled me to the side so I like wouldn't walk by him or right. something. Right, <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like... Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Because didn't you make eye contact with somebody and they started talking to you? It was the buses that we ended up taking. But yeah, yeah. Th- this dude was like, oh, have you taken the big red tour buses around the city? And he handed me a pamphlet. And I was like, oh, well, th- I took it. And I was like, th- thank you. Thank you for that. You know, just being And then he kept Midwest. talking. And he was like, oh, yeah, these buses, you should go here, here. And as we turned like, around oh, and shit. walked away, I was like, yeah. I made eye contact and I talked to him, <laughs> which just being from the Midwest, you know, I was like, he gave it to me and I was like, oh, thank you. And that was it. But yeah. he was like, oh, he took it. I got a mark. <laughs> he didn't realize it actually did something later. Cause <laughs> we actually did use that. Yeah. Yeah. We walked 20,000 steps the first day we were there. Well, technically the second. Yeah. And us working from home, not really used to that. Yeah. <laughs> so we were oh. like. We blew ourselves out the first day, and we're like, hey, how about riding a bus for a little bit? Yeah. Very, very smart. <laughs> um, 
But even though Torch Song Trilogy was the beginning of Estelle's acting career, she lost some friends along the way. Someone started bringing in the paper that talked about the gay cancer, which we know now is HIV and AIDS and or AIDS. Court Miller, who was in the play, started getting rashes and coming down with low-grade fevers. He was really concerned about it, but everybody else just kind of pushed it off and be like, oh, you're just being a crybaby. You're just a hypochondriac. Um, I don't think any anyone wanted to think that their friend could be terminally ill. Yeah. Yes, you know, so they were just trying to brush it off. Estelle was one of those that, you know, called him a crybaby. Oh, she even no. said that in an interview, and I'm like, oh. But she would bring him soup, chicken, brisket, homemade food. I mean, that cures anything, right? You would, you would hope. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It would soon come to light that Court had AIDS and would pass away in 1986. Mm. Estelle would also lose her nephew to AIDS in 1992. But she would use her new fame you know, later on to help fight the disease, donate, and go to AIDS events no matter what state of health she was in. Oh. Estelle became every gay person's mother because she was so involved in the gay community and did everything she could to help. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I just, oh, I can't tell you how much I love that. That just makes my heart just burst. Yeah. I just fucking love it. It's great. Yeah, I mean, that's so nice. That's and why I'm like, I want to be her. It must have been so scary. Like, gosh, you know, gay people that were around, you know, back then that are still with us today, when COVID hit, they must be like, oh, I've been through this before. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just so scary. It's so sad. They called it the gay plague. Ugh. I know, it's disgusting. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're gay. And and that's kind of what I was getting with this monkeypox thing, you know? Mm. At the first, they yes, were like... right? They were that like, pissed oh. me off. Yeah, they were like, oh, homosexuals, it, it, you know, it spreads through homosexual sex and stuff like that. And I was like, whatever, man. Are but, we doing this again? Yeah. Like, we're reversing in time, and I hate it. We are. We totally are. And I can go through so many reasons why, but, yeah, you know, know, our president that regressed us, but... I do feel like we are going back. Yeah, it was like I hope so. We, I mean, I know we are. I yeah. see what you're saying. When we watched the Orville, which season four, bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I know. Come on, but there was an episode where they were like, "Oh, well, we advanced to a po- advanced to a point to where we became better, and we became, you know, we all came together and realized we need to move forward as a people, and that's why we're so advanced now and have spaceships and no money." And I'm like. That's never going to happen. That is never going to fucking happen here. Nope. Because <laughs> like, they were Jesus. even talking about how they helped other, you know, universes or mm-hmm. whatever yeah. out, and it destroyed them. Yeah. They're, they're, it's it's a ripoff. Well, not a ripoff, but it's a nod to the prime directive in Star Trek where it's like they don't give technology to people that are not advanced enough mm-hmm. to handle it. And in one of the last episodes of the season, she was like, yeah, there was a... She basically was pointing out was like it was like the United States now almost. Yeah. And they gave them technology to like heal and and heal people, but they used it. You know, they they made people pay for it, mm-hmm. and they didn't. Instead of giving it to people for free, they monopolized it and tried to make the most money off of it. And yeah, they went to war over such high technology and destroyed themselves. Politics. Yeah, and I'm like, b- but it's so sad. It's like mm-hmm. we're never gonna get to that point. Because we still, it's 2022, and we still have people that are like, well, they're black people, so they're not real people. Oh, yeah. I'm just like, it's 2022. Can we just love people? Like, they were dealing with that shit like 60 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, 
It let, just boggles my mind. Let the hate go. It just eats you up. It's just passed down. It's passed down generation to generation, mm. and it's just sad that, like, oh, gay people are not people, or, or black people are not people. I'm just like, yeah. it's 2022. Like, you know, movies back in the day thought that we'd be having flying cars and shit right now, but yeah. we're still stuck in the same shit we were yelling about back then. <sighs> yeah, it's sad. It's still Getty. So back, yeah, I think we get more off topic on these celebrity spotlights than we do anything yeah. else, which I like it. Yeah. And if you listeners don't like it, just let us know. We can try. We just kind of go off and don't realize it yeah. sometimes. And you can find your own podcast, too, if you want. <laughs> so Torch Song Trilogy not only made it to Broadway, but they also went on tour. Oh, nice. Yeah. In 1983... It won the Drama Desk Award for Outstanding New Play, Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Actor in a Play, which was Harvey Firestein. No, oh, nice. Tony Award for Best Play and Tony Award for Best Performances by a Leading Actor in a Play, which was Harvey Firestein. Harvey was shocked that Estelle was not nominated at all. Mm. She was somehow overlooked. Yeah. Which happens to a lot of actors and actresses, and it's just sad. Yeah. The only reason he could think of as as to why is that she was such a natural that she made her character look effortlessly, when in re- reality she worked extremely hard. Mm, she was too good. Mm-hmm. Another disappointment: the Torch Song trilogy was about four years later when they decided they decided to make a movie out of it. They didn't cast Estelle. No, really. Yeah, I think they did like everybody else that was still around. Jesus. <sighs> So that was kind of sad. What would really be a rub in the, you know, rubbing their nose in it is if that actress won an Oscar for that performance. Oh my gosh, yes. I'd be like, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) That's mine. She'd be like, get her, B. Go stick her. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I told you, took an Oscar from my ma. B being so tall, oh my gosh. She was their muscle. Be intimidating just to look at her. Be like, oh fuck, I'm sorry. Yeah, if the Golden Girls were a gang, B would be the muscle. Yes. I think Estelle would be the um, the brains, probably. Maybe. And Betty White and Rue McClanahan would probably be the, the sex symbol. Or the, <laughs> they'd be like the Bond girls, you know. They're like, oh, I'll go in and I'm going to make you, you seduce, know. Like yeah, seduce. Yeah, seduce you. And then B's going to come in and beat the shit out of you. <laughs> gosh some more about torch song trilogy it came to an end april 21st 1985 in los angeles this is where estelle met many celebrities and became even more visible she was an overnight sensation so much happened at once it was because i like to go timeline wise Mm -hmm. like a to b or a to z Uh, i'm gonna break it up into sections because i was driving myself crazy trying to figure out when she did what? Yeah. Because so much, so much happens. Um, so I'm going to talk about her TV shows that she was in and then her movies. She was in The Money Lady in Fantasy Island Season 7, Episode 18, called Mermaid and the Matchmaker, The Obsolete Man, which aired in 1984. That was the, that was the title, Mermaid and the Matchmaker, The Obsolete Man. Oh, wow. That's a long fucking time. Yeah. Also around this time, she was in Cagney and Lacey, season three, episode five, called The Baby Broker. Um, I guess as she went to auditions while she was doing Torch Song Trilogy. Oh, probably so. Which is kind of smart. She was noticed by NBC producers of The Golden Girls. You know, you've heard of it mm-hmm. a couple times. 
who invited her to audition for the part uh, in the show. At first, the producers weren't sure if she could play an 81-year-old woman, (laughs) since at the time she was in her early 60s. Her managers dressed her up for the part so much that she didn't even recognize herself in the mirror. Oh, funny. So needless to say, she got the role of Sophia. There was a tiny dilemma, though, uh, with this great opportunity playing Sophia. Estelle lived in New York, and the Golden Girls would be filling in Hollywood, California. Mm. Estelle and Arthur, you remember her husband? Yep. They talked it over, and he encouraged her to move to California. But he's like, I gotta stay here and run my business. Uh, That sucks. So their relationship was always a little weird because they kind of seemed to be moving in different directions. Um, But they made it work. All right. Estelle moved to Hollywood, sharing an apartment with um, J. David Krasner, who appeared with her in the touring company of Torch Song Trilogy. Her husband didn't seem bothered by this at all. He would say, I found her witty, charming, perfectly informed, smart, and shorter than me. He's 5'2", so he's kind of on the short side, too. Oh, yeah. Was Jay uh, a gay man? Mm, I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, sometimes I miss her greatly and sometimes I don't, but I'm glad that she's living with someone and not alone. That's what her husband said. That's nice. Yeah. So they had a long distant marriage for 22 years. They would talk on the phone often and Estelle would joke that they never fought during this time because they had an agreement that they would only argue in person. (laughs) Wow. That would be insanely hard. So surprisingly enough, her role as Sophia was not supposed to be a regular on the show. She was originally a cast as a semi-recurring character. The pilot episode had another character as well, a gay chef who gay chef, a gay chef who worked with Blanche named Coco Levin. Producers were so impressed with the connection the four girls had that they dropped Coco from the series. Poor guy, (laughs) he's probably like, "This is my break." Yeah, you just don't know in those early shows, the early episodes. Estelle was starstruck because she would be working with Rue McClanahan, Betty White, and B. Arthur. Estelle had horrible stage fright because by the anxiety of remembering her lines. This would get worse as the seasons would go by, so she asked for cue cards, which seemed to upset the rest of the cast and producers. Oh, wow. They were like, ugh, cue cards? Who does that? I didn't know the dynamic at the time. I thought she was like a pro, but yeah, I didn't realize that she Mm. was kind of the newer one. Because plays like live plays is so much different than a tv show Mm -hmm. i mean and it was just like it just caused her anxiety to go crazy yeah but they did finally break down and make some cue cards but her anxiety would just keep growing even more she tried so many different things she even included hypnosis and nothing nothing would work that she would try she kept going, though, um, even though the people around her were frustrated with her and sometimes she'd have to retape her lines. In her memoir, this is the book yeah. that she wrote, if I knew that, if I knew then what I know now, so what? She And this is the book I didn't read, but mm. they did talk about it in, in a, a, an article I read. She had only nice things to say about Ruby and Betty, saying they had great chemistry, professionalism, and camaraderie. An interesting fact that I had no idea is that Sophia was Dorothy's mom, played by B. Arthur, on the show, but in real life, Estelle was one year younger than B. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, in real life, it would be impossible, but because they made her older, yeah, of course you, it makes sense. You always thought that she was old, mm-hmm. or older because of her makeup and stuff. I had no idea. Yeah. Until this, actually. Because I'm just like, she's an old lady, she's plain old lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did really good with her makeup. 
Sophia had standards of what she would and would not do on any show or movie she did. She didn't like doing scenes regarding death or funerals. Uh, According to Betty White, Estelle was so afraid of dying, the writers on the Golden Girls couldn't put even like a dead joke in in the script. Oh, wow. Estelle has a thing about gratuitous pain, using humor to really hurt. Uh, Why make fun of people who are fat or bald or gay or gay bashing jokes, which is her words. Yeah. One movie, one show or movie wanted her to be in a tagline when her husband would say, you do that and I'll beat the hell out of you. Whoa. She's like, it's not necessary and I'm not going to do it. So, and that's, I mean, that's something to be admired. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. Because she wanted to be successful. And sometimes when people want to be successful, they'll do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really nice that she had boundaries. Like, yes. I'm not, this is who I am as a person. And even though you, you know, it's for the movie or whatever, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So good yeah, for absolutely. her. Good for her. The audience loves Sophia and, and the Golden Girls so much that the, the producers at NBC asked Estelle to do double duty and play Sophia in a spinoff show called Empty Nest. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. By the late 80s, Estelle was more recognized for her role as Sophia than any other celebrity on television. This would help her win an Emmy in 1988 for Best Supporting Actress for Playing Sophia. Well, that's good. She got got recognized and got an Emmy. Yeah. That's, I mean, huge accomplishment. Empty Nest would not be the only television show that she would play Sophia in while shooting Golden Girls. 1991, Blossom Season 1 episode... I did not put it in. It just says episode. <laughs> so anyway, I ain't got nobody. One of Blossom's friends gets into the popular crowd and starts ditching Blossom. She has a flash forward 66 years when she finally finds a friend, which is Sophia. Oh, wow. However, Sophia's ditching Blossom for the same friend that ditched her 66 years ago. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I used to watch Blossom all the time. Yeah, my sister would watch it. Freaking love her. 1993, she was in an episode of Nurses as Carol Weston's Lamaze coach. 1996, she was in season three, episode eight of Touched by an Angel, playing an angel named Dottie. I watched that clip. I Mm -hmm. thought she was okay. Oh, really? Because I used to watch Touched by an Angel, too, and I don't remember her in it. Yeah. (laughs) 1997, she played Aunt Ida in Mad About You, the episode called The Birth Party 2. I'm almost done. 1998, she played herself in The Nanny in the episode called Making Whoopi. Oh, well. <laughs> what a name. Uh, she was guest star in a lot of TV shows as well, uh, 20 to be exact, from 1981 to 2001, which doesn't include Golden Girls or the Golden Palace or Empty Nest. The ones I've talked, Yeah. <laughs> the ones I've talked about was the most notable. And um, sorry if that was a little boring because I just kind of rattled all those off. So there we go. 1991, B, Arthur decided to leave the Golden Girls, as we know, because, and if you haven't listened to B, go back and listen to yeah. B. I thought that was a really good episode, because I th- I feel like I'm getting better at these. Yeah, know, I think so, too. Getting better talking and stuff, because I don't, I don't do words very well. <laughs> uh, the final episode aired May 9th, 1992. NBC tried to keep things going with a spinoff called Golden Palace, which Estelle Rue and Betty uh, played in. The show never took off, though. I think it's because it, they completely changed it from four ladies talking about their troubles to three ladies in a hotel trying to get out in the world. Yeah. It was different and couldn't grab an audience, so it ended after a year. In 1996, Estelle, 
Betty White and Rue McClanahan would do a parody of Clueless for the MTV Music Awards. Uh, funny. <laughs> yeah. I won't be posting this video, though, because it's been taken down from several sites due to copyright laws. Oh, geez. Uh, but if you Google it, you can find it. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, which you should totally check it out. I found it more cute than funny. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, my gosh, these older people are playing young. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's just cute. I just can't believe how much she blew up and how much she has done so far, which isn't even all of it. Yeah. I mean, this is just, what, like 10 years of her life, maybe? And she's just like, boom. Like, when does she sleep? Yeah, it just is crazy what how one thing can really just blow it all up. Mm-hmm. You just got to get recognized by the right person. Yeah. Person, I hope you're out there. <laughs> <laughs> Estelle was in 12 different movies from 1978 to 1999. Her very first movie was teammates she played a teacher that was stunned when a student put out a classroom fire by peeing on it <laughs> i mean okay <laughs> what the hell? unique you know very strange movie one way of doing it tootsie was the first highly recognized movie estelle would be in which was filmed in new york and aired in 1982 even though her role was small the movie was big winning three golden globes which certainly helped her get seen yeah big movie 1986, she would play Cher's mom in the movie Mask. Oh, yeah. Which I love Mask. So sad. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, of course I cried, but I haven't seen it forever. We, we may have to do that one. Yeah. 1987, she would have a small role in the movie Mannequin, which is, I freaking love that movie. I haven't seen it in forever. Oh, my gosh. Another movie we're going to have to see or do on the show. Yeah. 1991, she played a leading role in the movie Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Which is considered like one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> no, he's fine. I'm like, I, I'm disappointed that it was bad. Oh, really? Because I liked it. Her roommate, J. David Krasner, played a detective in the film as well. So I was disappointed to see that it won a Razzie for this movie. Yeah. So did Sylvester Stallone. Uh, and pretty much everybody. Yeah, it was hated. It was very well, very much hated. I remember watching this movie, and I remember really liking it because it was one of those funny, stupid movies. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I was like, well, fuck. I liked it. Well, I'm sure yeah. there's other people out there that liked it. I'm sure people that watched it when they were younger, yeah. In the year 2000, Estelle would announce that she was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's going to get sad. She talked openly in an interview saying she was always very active and now to lose some of her freedom is devastating. Later in the year, she would also be diagnosed with osteoporosis, forcing her to stop making public appearances. Jesus. Yeah, it was just like, boom, she's so big. And now, now that she just hits bottom hard. Yeah, one of the drawbacks of getting successful later in life. Mm-hmm. In 2002, it was announced that she also suffered from Alzheimer's disease. My God. Unfortunately, all of these were misdiagnoses. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Misdiagnoses. In 2004, it was found that she had Lou Body's dementia. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, That's what they found out Robin Williams had. Oh, yeah. It's uh, the same year she found this out, she lost her husband. So it was just very devastating. Yeah. So Lou Body's dementia is the second most common type of dementia after Alzheimer's. Protein deposits called Lou Bodies builds up in the nerve cells in your brain, causing all kinds of havoc in thinking, memory, and movement. In 2006, her caregiver, Paul Chapdelaine, 
would write a letter to E.T., which is Entertainment Tonight. Mm. I don't know if they're still doing their uh, show. I don't know. Hmm. With a health update, he writes that once she was diagnosed correctly and put on the correct medications, there was a drastic upswing in her health and general well-being. Oh, good. Betty White would describe Estelle's condition as a current wafting in and out, which Paul said was completely accurate. Some days she's better than others, and she has not been able to walk without assistance for three years now. Estelle wanted her fans to know that if she has made you laugh, encouraged you to think, and challenged your beliefs, then she has done her job. To Estelle, it all boils down to love and laughter. This is how she signed almost all of her autographs. Oh, and she also said, for the fans, keep watching the Golden Girls. I need the residuals. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And I could hear that in her voice, too. Yes. Estelle would pass away two years later. On July 22nd, 2008, three days before her 85th birthday. She would be the first of the Golden Girls to pass away. Not even one year later, B. Arthur passed away. One thing I have mixed feelings about is that Rue, B. or Betty did not attend Estelle's funeral. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I wonder why. Well, I looked into that. And um, B. said it was too difficult for her to deal with uh, the emotionals, uh, emotions of a funeral. Yeah. She said Estelle had been out of out of it for so many years, not recognizing anyone. She said it's a godsend. She's at peace now. Yeah. Rue said she just had surgery and couldn't fly. Betty said Estelle wouldn't have wanted them there because it would have brought more media, which Estelle wouldn't have wanted. Uh, all right. Uh, one of Estelle's son said he was disappointed they didn't come. He recognized maybe it was too painful. Also saying, if it was someone I'd been tight with for that long and worked with all those years, I would have been there. Right. So I just, I don't know, I get it. It's almost kind of like maybe she was gone for so long, they felt like they've already mourned her loss. Maybe so. And then going to the funeral would be mourning her again? See, uh. I don't know. It's just something that you you got to do, though. You know, I get it if Rue had actually had surgery and couldn't fly. Mm-hmm. That maybe gets it in. And B, you know, I kind of understand that too. Like David Spade didn't go to Chris Farley's funeral because he was so overwhelmed right. and it was shocking. And But, um, but yeah, to, I, to I, admit I, that, I mean, that's one thing. But Betty's saying that she wouldn't want them there. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, I don't know Estelle personally, but just by doing the research, it seemed like, I don't know, even though she was afraid of death and didn't want to die, I think she, she would have want her friends and family there. Yeah, I would think so. But no, I guess he can't. Yeah. But that concludes Estelle Getty. Yeah, I learned quite a bit about her. I didn't know that she had found success so late in life. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy and probably one of the fastest ones that I have researched so far. Yeah. The next one I'm doing is Rue McClanahan, just so you know what's next. That is taking me forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to do, because I, as I said on B. Arthur's, I'm going to do all of Golden Girls. I don't know that I'll do that again. Yeah. B. Arthur, or not B. Arthur, but Rue McClanahan is going to be interesting. I'm just going to say she was a lot like her character. Oh, really? On the Golden Girls. She is um very sexual. Promiscuous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talk about a lot of sex. So if you like to hear about that, you know, stay tuned. Tune in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, guys, for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope that you can take the time to send a review on there's so many different platforms so if you have a platform that you're on that you can review we would appreciate it yeah share with friends you know let other people know about us because we hope to one day make 
at least come out even on this yeah. podcast. And it's not about the money, of course, but no, you know, we could just use that to keep going or buy better equipment or, you know, maybe be able to put out more episodes yeah. or more content. Do more things. Yeah. So, but thank you so much. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.